Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Kia ora and welcome to the Aotearoa Rugby Pod. What a World Cup. This is so much fun. Fiji, they get up this morning and get a massive win, make history against Australia. We've got the Box in Ireland coming up this week. Pool C and Pool D, huge games coming up. They brought in a first five instead of a hooker for the Springboks. We'll talk a little bit about that. All sorts of crazy stuff going on all over the place. The All Blacks, what should we do in the back three? Cam Roygaard, another sensational performance. So many things to talk about on the Aotearoa Rugby pod today. But before we get going, there's got to be an acknowledgement. It's been months since James Parsons said that Fiji are going to do something like this. <laughs> so before we start, I think probably Bryn and I should give him an innovation. That's, that's powerful. It's a no, big pretty, pretty happy with myself. And you know, I was talking about my wife's tipping comp. Yeah. She went against me and backed Aussie. Oh. So I took a lot of glory in that. Yeah, yeah, that's very good. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Very yeah. good. A, a very happy day for me today. So as ever, James Parsons in the screen. Like always, Bryn Hall, Bryn, I mean, we've got to give it up, don't we? We do, Jip, but I should have, we should have stayed with, I should have stayed with you, mate, because yeah, they were, they were the much better team. It wasn't a fluke. They um, thoroughly deserved that um, 22-15 game. So, Jipper, well done, mate, and Sam, come join me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you worry about that. I've been giving her plenty all day. <laughs> while we're at it, while we're saying nice things to Jip on this show today, you know, it's four years ago that he reckoned Cam Roygaard was the man, and here we are, and he's the man. Gee, I'm having a good week. You're having a very good week. Very good week. Um, I, if only I could have called counties to three from three yesterday for yourself. But... Yeah. Uh, not to be. The streak is over. The streak is over. <laughs> Can you call two in a row a streak? Yep, absolutely. <laughs> well, so we'll take it. We'll take it as a streak. Hey, look, we've got a lot to get into, but let's start with the most important one from this week. Of course, the Fiji-Australia game. Wow. The Fiji-Australia game was quite a performance. Um, Bryn, what I found amazing is, you know, we talk a lot about Lamani. We talk about how important he is to that team. They throw him to the side. They bring in Corrivoli. And he does something like that, quite incredible. And his goal kicking especially, I think was massive, especially in that first 50 minutes that he was on. The kicks that he was able to have that scoreboard pressure within the first 20, 30 minutes to be able to have that scoreboard pressure, I think was massive. And then he had moments where he influenced the game through his running attack and his kicking game as well. So yeah, thoroughly um, an awesome performance by him. And I think he had a bit of cramp, so he went off early. 
but yeah, a great performance and a, and a masterstroke selection from the Fijian coaching staff. Not surprising though, like when they played in the Pacific Nations Cup, he, he performed extremely well um, and he's had that ability to feel that, I suppose, that ability to start and that pressure, but the goal kicking is, is something new. So um, yeah, it puts a lot of pressure on. I think a lot of credit has to go to Glenn Jackson a little bit um, in the sense that very similar style in terms of basically let's not play in our half, let's get down there and we do our thing. And it's very consistent with the Indrua, uh, and man, it's working for them. Yeah, it's, it's working for them. Quite impressive, and it's a different kind of victory in that it, it's a scoreboard pressure. It was quite measured and constructive, you know. It wasn't like last minute either. Like yeah. they got out to the lead, they they withstood the pressure um, and, and took it. You know, I think this pulls in for an interesting time. I don't know why, and maybe because I'm on a hot streak, I'm going to say it. <laughs> I, I, I feel Aussie could defeat Wales by more than Fiji lost to Wales, and Wales could potentially still fall out. Right. What do you base that on? I just think, like, the, if you look at Eddie Jones's press conference, he's taking it all on himself, but also they've got nothing to lose now, and I just feel like they've got that they've got enough star power in there to score points, mm. and. I think Wales fought, they were they did really well against Fiji, but Fiji probably lost that game rather than they won it. Um, Aussie will have to sort out their discipline. You know, obviously 18 penalties is a hell of a lot um, and, and just won't allow them. But I don't know, I just have a feeling that pool um, still will see Fiji top it and, and Aussie potentially come second. Right, you're not convinced by Wales? Not really. I don't know why, I just think like, if they had put Portugal away, um, and sorry to the Gatlin family, like big fan of the Gatlins, obviously, but um, I just, I, I just don't know. I just think Aussie have got a performance in them. Mm. I don't think they'll go deep or make the semis, but yeah. I think they've got a performance in them. Bryn, why did they dictate terms to the degree that they did? They were just clinical in a lot of areas, and I think you look at the first fifty minutes. They gave away three penalties. And we talk about discipline a lot with the Fijians and their ability to be able to not give away penalties and give that scoreboard pressure that they have done against the bigger teams. But, you know, I thought they were really clinical around the exits when they did score points. They don't play a lot in their, um, a lot in their half, whether it be um, halfbacks kicking or kicking long at, at the right times. They did that very well. And then I think also their turnover rate at the breakdown, they had 11 turnovers. Tui Sober had three. Um, Botia was outstanding with his three um, breakdown turnovers. And so when they're able to build defensive pressure through the, the through the breakdown, which has had a lot of success against these top tier nation teams, if they can continue to keep doing that and their set piece in the last 20 minutes, 15 minutes, it did um, go off a little bit. Um, if, they can, if they can sew that up a little bit and be a little bit more clinical like they were in the first 15 minutes, I think it's going to set them up for that second part of the competition if they do get to that quarterfinal stage. I think also like their focus on winning the collision and then offloading. Yeah. They're not trying to offload pre-contact. Like they're, right, my first job is to win this collision, then offloading. They had 15, 16 offloads. They made Australia tackle at 78%. You know, like that, I don't think there's many teams that have that ability. Like everything's quite structured. You look at every other team, whereas they are instinctive players and they don't go into a carry situation thinking oh, I've got to try and free someone up. They're like, I'm going to steamroll someone and then if I win that collision, I have the ability to offload from there. And um, man, I, I don't know, they, they have been an impressive team for a long time. 
um, their, their, their Achilles heel will be um, probably not getting too excited mm. and sticking to that disciplined game plan that they've shown. And, and as Bryn says, if they can keep disrupting the breakdown, they not just in the close quarter stuff, but in that wide channel, it's just, it's, it's brutal, man. Like it's, a, it's an area that, because um, they're so strong over the ball, if they, if they keep doing that, then teams are probably going to need to really manipulate their defence with kicks. Mm. And we've seen, yeah, I suppose, the teams that we expect to get into the semis kick a lot. Um, but, you know, that's the execution that probably hasn't been there for some of them. And the Aussies were able to do that once when they got the 50-20-2 and then, you know, were able to score a try immediately off it. It's that backfield play. It's manipulating, making them hesitant. So if you can make them hesitant, but if you keep sort of one-dimensional, they are, they are probably the most physical team. Like they, they are just so strong across the board, including midfielders, wingers. Like it's, it's not a area you probably want to get into an arm wrestle. You want to be pretty clinical. Probably don't want to tip or, or go out the back before earning that right. You know, we sort of said about the All Blacks against France, you know, you've got to earn that right. You've got to go direct. I think they made, you know, All Black side subject, but they made good adjustments there. You'll need to do that against Fiji if you, if you are to win. On the other side of the coin, Bryn, you've got the Aussies. Eddie Jones said that, you know, probably his biggest regret from the game is that they weren't able to get the go-forward ball that they needed. So what do the Aussies need to do to actually start making an impression with ball in hand? Well, I think it's the, it's the breakdown area. Look, any time you give away, you know, double turnovers within the breakdown area with Botier and you have a two-a-server and the outside backs we've talked about, it's hard to be able to get that front foot ball and be able to um, gain momentum through that way. So the breakdown area is massive. But then at the same time, um, you know, penalties, man, 18 penalties that they're just giving away. And we just continue to keep talking about the discipline issues around around the Australians. I, know, I remember Eddie Jones talked about a lot on the rugby championship around their decision-making around the breakdown and what they're supposed to do in those situations. Like R- Rory Arnold, I think there's a penalty in the fifth, in the. 60th minute or something like that that was just a dumb penalty and you give away momentum and then being able to take the, the pressure off so they continue to keep doing this so whether the, the players aren't listening to the coaches or the delivery that's been given to the messages throughout the week they're not getting a, a response from that because like 18 penalties you know and, and in bad positions of the field as well in, the, in their own half to give Coral Valley um, opportunities um, it's, it's the same tune unfortunately for the Australians I don't think they're going to find the Welsh attack as disruptive. So if anything, the biggest change probably needs to be on defence. One, making your one-on-one tackles, but two, having the ability to disrupt or slow the attacking ball down. Um, you know, like, he's picked a young side, but like someone like Michael Hooper would be very valuable <laughs> right about now around the breakdown because I think that's an area where they're probably just lacking. They're just allowing that speed of ball um, and then sort of riding tackles and not winning those collisions. So if they are to turn around against Wales, Wales will be direct. Yeah. Like their forwards will be direct. They'll use their kicking game. They do have moments of flair, but it's not it's not their natural instinct. They will manipulate, um, you know, sort of in and around that breakdown. So they need to focus on that breakdown defensively, I think. It's getting harder and harder to understand why Eddie Jones has picked such a youthful team. I mean, it seems like he's using the World Cup as a developing tool, which considering the fact that he might not be there in a year's time, is crazy. Uh, you know, the guys that they left behind, like Hooper, et cetera, you look at this team now and what they're suffering from, Bryn, and has this been a major mistake? He says he doesn't regret it, but this is a World Cup. 
this isn't a development tour. He had an idea in his head that he wanted to take in, you know, a young squad uh, that probably hadn't had a lot of demons inside of, you know, losing a lot of test matches, bringing in young guys who have enthusiasm and haven't had those previous kind of bad experiences. But I think what I come back to the decision-making skills and the lack of, um, I guess, discipline that they have had, the messaging that whether the coaches or the leadership group are giving right now, it's not getting getting into them, you know. So um, it's a solution that they have to look forward to to be able to try to get right because you know, they're making the same mistakes. We continue to keep talking about the same mistakes that the Australians keep making. So whether that's just young and they're the inexperience of not being in big test matches, they're not able to adapt on the run or the messaging just isn't getting to the Australians and they're making the same mistakes continuously. They're pretty fresh. Like they're new to each other. They don't really understand each other's body language, how they shape when they look to do um, certain parts of um, their actions in defence or attack. Um, not that he set them up to fail, like he obviously believed in them, but it's it's a big ask on the players. Like you said, the stakes, it's a World Cup, pressure, pressure really, um, you need that experience. Mm. You do need that experience of that and that calm, composed feel throughout the team. You don't You don't want too much new blood. It's a good weekend for Paul C and Paul D looking at the games that are coming up. You know, when we look at that game, Australia-Wales, and then we also look at the game uh, between Samoa and Argentina, there's a lot, a lot going on. Um, the English have a week off, but I think it's pretty important that we have a look at them now too. 34-12 over Japan, quite an impressive performance. They appear to be finding their confidence. This is a team, Bryn, that had only scored seven tries in seven weeks. They're, they're, they seem to be building. George Ford added a little bit more to his gameplay. You can see the direction they're going. You know, they lacked a lot of confidence coming into this Rugby World Cup. And yes, um, you know, they've had to change and have had a few guys with Owen Farrell being out. But yeah, I think George Ford, he's been great for that for that team. You know, we talked a lot around maybe having Marcus Smith in and around that starting 10. But, you know, George Ford and the way that England do play, the, the pressure game and around their kicking game, even the attacking kicks, you look at George Ford's when he set up that try the left foot crossfield kick. You know, there's not many people in the world under pressure would be able to do that. So he's obviously got a strength in and around the kick game, which is perfect for the English. And I think as well, being able to have that scoreboard pressure, which they do, uh, which they've found their DNA at the moment, it's the way they do play. And to be honest, I thought Japan, they stuck in there really, really well. Um, but unfortunately, you know, you look at the kind of 58th minute for me, I mean, Riley and Matsushima got their good line break and then it's a drop ball in those kind of crucial situations, which we've talked about a lot in this, um, a lot this year with Japan, it kind of came to fruition in that last 20 minutes of them. And then I guess the the Stewart try, um, like I talked about with George Ford, um, really set them off and I guess won them the game. But they are finding confidence. And I guess, you know, for them having a bye week now, getting some guys back and being able to look back at that pool and seeing what's required of them in the next couple of games. But no, they have got confidence in, you know, with the way they do play, it's, it's Rugby World Cup footy that they do play. So um, they're looking not too bad considering the, the the start that they had the start of the year. I do think as well, like their game suits how this may be decided in terms of like set pieces, their bread and butter, they live for it. And their decision-making defensively around the breakdown, they had a, you know, a hell of a lot of success against Argentina and getting turnovers and not over committing like when it's not on they actually spread and they fill the field and 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 they're not but when they make a decision to go for the ball they're, they're either asking two or three players to clean them out or they're getting a penalty so like those two areas we spoke about it like so the more that discipline and that accuracy around the breakdown will decide this world cup and man they've they've 
definitely, I suppose, found their mojo a little bit around those areas. To, to, to temper it a little bit, I mean, we're trumpeting them, right? Um, but it was against Japan, and Japan have been pretty awful for quite a while now. So is this a step forward from the Argentina game? Do you feel like it is a strong step forward? and it's an indication of how they could go against a strong team? I think it showed that they have the ability of another style. Mm. So they've shown a way that they know how to fight and, and get their scoreboard pressure through drop goals, penalties and so forth, but they do have attacking threats as well. And, um, you know, they have, they have even in the Six Nations, like they've come up with some great set-piece strikes. If they can get a few more of those to work, and, um, you know, we talk about that hesitancy on D at this level, and create, um, I suppose, space for certain players. Then, you know, I think, I think they can strike. But safety, playing safe, is actually working for them. So, you don't want to overplay your hand either. Mm. You know, like, and and I think to Bryn's credit, I think Japan probably their best performance for a while. If you know, like, like they had their opportunities, but um, you know, they they are not the side that we probably expected. But we've talked a lot about that collision area and that's an area where they've you know Jamie Joseph side you expect to mm. you know probably be the best at and, and they're not quite there at the moment I think for them it's just those it's those crucial moments in and around if it's, if it's off a line break or if it's off a set piece more a little knock on a forward pass a wrong decision at the wrong time it seems to be the trend that they've had um, for, for a majority of the year which is, um, which is unfortunate for them but I think just to come back to Jipper's point as well I really enjoyed England's attacking attacking uh, power as well. I think the ability for them to be able to get to the edge, whether that be under pressure, which I saw in a lot of the teams, even the All Blacks, the ability to be able to get to the edge of that kind of uh, pressure on the edge, the English were able to show that. So I think going forward, they do have that DNA where they don't want to play without the ball, have that set-piece pressure. But I saw enough in their attacking game. Uh, you know, they had 24 defenders beat eight line breaks and, you know, played with the majority of the ball with 167 passes. So um, all in out, an improved performance from England in terms of the attacking ability, so sets them up pretty well for the back in the tournament. And a decent Falcon as well. Uh, what are they called in the Northern Hemisphere? Is it just a header in the Northern Hemisphere? I don't know. It's probably, yeah, probably yeah. isn't it? Yeah, yeah, solid. What do you guys make of that? Like, it seems like a bizarre rule to me. <laughs> the ball's allowed to hit you in the head and go forward, and your teammate's allowed to collect it. What's the difference between it hitting you here and hitting you yeah, here? It doesn't make sense. It makes no sense. Surely that should be a knock on. Well, I think what they're trying to say is they didn't play at it. Yeah. Like, you don't really leave with your face. No. By choice. No. But, I mean... It's, Jane. it's a mistake. <laughs> you didn't do it on purpose, did you? It's a mistake. Yeah, and I think well, that's why they allow the play on. But it's sort of similar to that offside rule. If there hasn't been a breakdown from a kick, mm. you can sort of attack the player from behind. Like, yeah. is, there are some weird rules. Rugby's full of crazy Rugby. rules. What do you think, Bryn? Knock on off the head, surely? It has to be. They should change the rules. This is nonsense. Well, at least go to a scrum well, or something. Yeah, well, technically it wasn't because, right, it's not touching your hand. But, yeah, I yeah. think in the, in the context of the game as well, man, it just it gave kind of that momentum for that England to kick on because it was I think it was 13-12 at that stage and, you know, it was going back and forth and unfortunately, uh, you know, a once, you know, one in 10 kind of situation which happens at rugby games, um, they ended up scoring. So, yeah, might be have to have to look at something, but it was pretty unfortunate but, for Japan. I always say this. I reckon there's an art in knowing the laws, and yeah. like it's like that's a point of difference. Yeah, like to have that level of IQ and understanding, and why shouldn't you be rewarded for knowing that? They're going to sit back and they're going to watch Argentina, who have come off the bye, and 
we're going to see them play against Samoa. So that's going to be a big game this weekend to decide how this pool looks. How do you see that playing out? Well, I was like, I thought Chile actually played really well early doors. Mm. And what I liked out of Samoa the most is they were patient. They, I felt like they knew they could wear them down. Um, you know, they, they kept their attack to 37% gain line. Um, they only gave away nine penalties. You know, they didn't over, like a lot of times, first game, excitement, overplay, flamboyant, but they were really disciplined in their structures. Mm. And I think that holds them in good stead. I would like to see Lima at 10, and there's nothing on Lima Fano, but I um, I just think he's, he's sort of that X-factor player that can set others alight. Um, but, you know, if... In terms of a steady hand, Lilo Fano is a, is, a, is a good selection as well. But I think if they want to go deep in this competition, they're going to have to chance their arm. I think, you know, Argentina will be thoroughly disappointed with their performance. You know, obviously would have gone, would have wanted to be a lot better in that situation. And knowing that this is a do or die um, situation against Samoa, but, you know, the points of Fletcher could be massive as well. You know, they're in negative 17 and Samoa 33 were able to pick up a lot of, a few points against Chile in the back end of that game. So, you know, with pool C and pool D, with, people on the same points so the points differential could be massive but they won't be thinking around that the performance will obviously take care of that but um yeah it's going to be one of the matches of the round and probably decide Paul D in terms of who's going to go through yeah it's a lot of fun watching all of this play out and I mean those two games will be big but the big game this weekend and you know let's get to it now the big game the monstrous game the biggest game of all of pool play even bigger than France and New Zealand, of course, is South Africa versus Ireland. And that is this weekend. It's going to decide who tops that pool and it's going to decide who plays either France or New Zealand in the quarterfinals. And Ireland looked ruthless against Tonga. They looked ruthless, Chipper. Again, 60% possession, 64% territory, 59 points. Like, they're in a rhythm. And what I like is they're just keeping the combinations together. They they know that this is the, they'll probably rest them after this. If they can get a result, they'll rest them. They'll know they're through. Um, uh, it, it, unless you know, like you've got to look at Khaleesi and I suppose the team. They have come out in defence of Leboc, but yeah. with Pollard coming in, he could be a difference maker. Yeah, he seriously could. Um, and that's the only unknown. I think without. That, and I'm obviously a big fan of Marks, so without him there as well, I think it's, you'd have to say Ireland, you would expect to win, but man, Pollard's a game changer. Yeah. We, we spoke about it. Like, with him missing out, I would. I just think- Even after every, but he hasn't played a lot. Mate, you know what it's like when you've got experience, like muscle memory, like you don't need a lot of runs um, on the board before coming in. I, I just, I'd start them. Massive opportunity for South Africa to, you know, sort of rock the competition. Yeah. Because everyone will be expecting Ireland to win. Like, Ireland is just so slick. Mm. How good's Bundy Aki? Like, he's just found vintage form. <laughs> you know, like, he was yep. sort of, he was sort of on the outer, you know, like, he wasn't starting. And um, now he's 19 carries, like. Mm. The lines he runs. Oh, just yes. committed. What helps Bundy, I think, as well, is the discipline of his teammates to keep committed to their role in the system and, and those bodies in motion, because mm. it makes defenders think. And I know I keep harping on about being hesitant, but you see the teams that are hesitant is a lot of the time there's bodies in motion and it has to, you have to make a decision. Yeah. And if you if you don't make the right one, obviously it ends in... But sometimes when you know you're just carrying 
and you're being direct and there's bodies in motion, that's how you pick off that weak shoulder and that's where he's making a lot of this, this game. The bodies in motion that Jiffa mentioned, the confusion in the defensive line of where this pass is going to go, particularly for the inside ball, was paramount. I, I presume that South Africa will be able to handle that to a far higher degree. Yeah, but again, it's the... You have to go. You have to strip that right back. And why are they? How are they doing that? So the preparation, I can imagine that they have in and around the detail, that every single detail, everybody knows what they're doing. When you get an attack lead that looks like looks like Ireland, everybody knows exactly what they're doing, which is really hard to do. We know how hard it is to have fifteen players all on the same pack at all the same time. And then you 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 combine that with the breakdown area and the efficiency when you can get Jamison Gibson Park very very quick ball. They're a very hard team to stop, but. The one team that I think at the moment, especially they're in their pool with South Africa, talking to Kwasi Smith, um, you know, last year around how they think they could beat Ireland, it's the physicality and being able to slow down their ball. They will, wouldn't be surprised if they have a six-two split and being able to just try and beat them up and being able to slow down their ball. Because last time they actually played them, I, did they get, end up? I think they just lost to Ireland. Yeah. But what they did in an breakdown area and slowing down the ball, winning collisions, making it really slow. You saw Ireland didn't get things all their own way and they weren't able to actually have that animation and been able to get that go for ball that you're talking about, Ross. So I can imagine, I can see those South African boys having a 6-2 split and just trying to physically beat up and slow down that ball of the Irish. Tonga, though, if you look at Ireland defensively, like they were only 37% of their carries were game line. Mm. And they're not small men. Like That physicality, I'm not sure, is as dominant in this matchup. Like Ireland are one of the more physical sides. The the one area I do agree with you, Bryn, is where probably where they were disrupted is when they went into the twenty two from time. You know, sixteen entries, only eight tries. Like I know that sounds ridiculous. <laughs> but the we you, you know, like when they're humming, like Ireland aren't a team that let you off the hook. Yeah. And to be at fifty percent for twenty two entries, like you're you're probably only gonna get three or three or three or four opportunities against a team like South Africa. And you need to probably, you know, make them all count mm. because they, and I think if Pollard starts, I, I think they can really open you up out wide with their speedsters, but also they'll kick their penalties. The line speed pressure that the Springboks are able to bring as well, if they can get that physicality, even look at what I talked about last week, after Plurk and um, Adinsa, they left five guys. They just wanted to put their skill set under pressure and been able to try and stop that, stop those opportunities to try and get it to width. But in saying that, when you've got a guy like Johnny Sexton who who will be previewing as like a coach on the field, he'll be seeing that there's space a lot for those for those attacking kicks. So whether Pollard's, um, you know, sorry, whether um, if, who's out, uh, Hanson and James James are out on the edge, I wouldn't be surprised if they go early on in and around those attacking kicks to try and stunt that um, high line speed pressure, or even at the middle of the field as well. Because with Fuff the Clerk um, and the, the nines for the South Africans, they're actually on the edge quite a lot. So. I wouldn't be surprised if they try and get that middle space with attacking kicks as well very early on to try and stunt that momentum as well. I think the thing that might worry South African fans is that the Tongans did really well at the breakdown. They also did really well at the scrum. And Bryn, I would imagine that the Irish would be putting a huge focus on that. The fact that that was shown up to that degree, despite the big win, that was shown up to quite a high degree. And, and they'll be knowing, well, that is a place the South Africans can really hurt us too. The spring box, I know Malcolm Marks, there's a few injuries with you know, Van Starr and also as the, as the third hooker, Jip, and probably uh, enjoyed seeing him throw the line-out ball in the, 
on the weekend um but you definitely know it's coming and so um you know they'll be doing a lot of work in around that set piece area because you know not not only their scrum but you know in, in crucial situations they've got their line out more and especially the transition area as well off the line outs you know you look at grant williams um you know his transition try going with the, with the cut with um ben Starden, um to grant williams you know those kind of situations around the, the peeling and the specials that they have off the line outs is going to be really crucial so yeah, there'd be a lot of work done in that set piece through the Irish and, um, and especially the breakdown area. They'll want to clean that up a lot around um, with what's coming from the South Africans as well. I do think they played a hell of a lot though. Like I like keep harping on about their position and territory. Like yeah. when you've got that much ball and you're ba- playing at that tempo, stats or, or breakdown areas or, or set piece can be misleading a little bit. Like because the, the tank's a little bit empty. So it's, it's going to be much more of a 50-50 um and and probably a lot more kicking mm. than than what they've seen previously so so it'll, it might be a little bit skewed from what we saw on the weekend to what there are sort of weaknesses for Ireland I sound half Irish <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah South Africa's going to be into me I picked them at the <laughs> top of the pool now I switched them and now I'm into Ireland yeah, all right so you think Ireland's going to top the pool <sighs> well it's it's hard when we talk about this before we've seen the teams yeah, like yeah, I yeah. I do I think they're a better chance with Pollard at 10. Yeah. Personally. And if I was to call it now without knowing that, even if Pollard starts, I think Ireland will win. Right. That's Just. Right. Yeah. And, but, I mean, there's also a really good chance that the two of them will go straight back to meeting each other in the final because they're outstanding well, teams. It's not the first time we've yeah, seen that. Seen that. Cup. Absolutely. Now, I really want your opinion on this, Chip. Because it seems like Oprah Winfrey is giving out the hookers. You know, you're a hooker and you're a hooker and you're a hooker and everyone's a hooker. Um, hard job, mate. It's a hard job under the lights. It's all well and good at training when there's no pressure and no one's watching. But um, it is quite amazing. Like, I mean, obviously, Dion Faree has had a serious amount of experience playing in that role over seasons during his career, if not a lot recently. Marco van Staden's got a huge neck. <laughs> we understand that. But to, to practice your line out throwing at training, and to pack down in scrums, admittedly against two of the best eights in the world, you know, depending on what side you're training on at their trainings. I don't think scrummaging will be an issue. Yeah, right. No, I I think line-out will be, (laughs) especially if it goes early, Mm. like if there's an injury early. Um, But the one thing South Africa aren't like a New Zealand side that are fixated on winning sort of middle back ball to ignite their... There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss plushcare.com slash weight loss. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Attack. They'll happily take the front. Yeah. 
Um, and I think they've probably been planning for this, so they're not just practicing it this week. Well, it sounds like it. It sounds like he's done a lot of training at Hooker over yeah. the time as kind of one of those fallback yeah. options in case they need Pollard back. Yeah, it, it, <laughs> it, is, it, it is like... The one thing I'll say is like, we used to practice like, actually Bryn will talk to this well, is like we used to get our nines to throw in mm. and it's all well and good at training. Yeah. Seriously, you get a few wins <laughs> and you think it's great and then you get to the moment yeah. and the pressure's on and you're trying to think, what's the call? What are we doing? You know, <laughs> at, at a, it's not easy. Yeah. Were you, were you, are you wanting me to go and find the vision of him throwing into the lineup? <laughs> is, that, is that what you're doing? No, no, no. I'm just saying, like, <laughs> you do prepare to lose both hookers. But, and it's just, you can have every win under the sun at training. Yeah. But when the pressure's on, if the game's on the line and you're five metres out from your line, everyone expects you, like, if I'm Island, I'm cramming the front, I'm saying, you can have the back. Go for it. <laughs> yeah beauty yeah. not straight then there's you know like it's the one thing i'm going off tangent here about line outs but as we know i like to get down in a few rabbit holes yeah i loved how the all blacks took the front yeah i just loved it like they namibia gave them the front and they took seven of their 11 line outs at the front and it wasn't that fixation of we've got to get back ball we've got to get middle ball and i think that was a for me it was an exciting adjustment thinking okay well if teams are going to get the, the front we can show we can attack yeah. off that front ball and yeah. I, I know I've just jumped from game to game but it's 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 an area that will come under pressure because for the South Africans if teams cram the front you, you've you've got one option or you're going into a 50-50 so, so taking front ball is safer ball in the most part? Is well if like if you look at Namibia and even sometimes the French yeah. they just opened up the, the front for the All Blacks and you know Everyone wants that back ball, especially New Zealand teams. Like the way we play the game, you you want that back ball because you can get into that transition line, you can start flatter, you you're really you know sort of challenging the defence. If if it goes from the front, the pass is longer, so there's more time for the defence to get up to shut them down. But you've got Aaron Smith. Yep, but uh, oh, that's what I'm saying. Like Cam yeah. Roygaard, no difference. Like yeah. it was, and and I think Damian McKenzie. The the beauty was he was just a little bit tighter. He made the adjustments to free up. Uh, I don't know. It, it was, it was a it was a change. Yeah, I, I think. think. Do, I don't know if you thought that, Brent, but I felt like that was a real change. The importance of the heart pick in that situation. Yeah, you know, there's probably two ways that you can do it. The first one being that you throw it on a 45. So what I mean by that, um, Ross, is that you know you're 45 degrees and it's kind of thrown towards the middle of the lineout, so it ends up being like it's a middle ball when you're able to get the ball to that width. But then also as well, if you end up having a line-out uh, out drive and you win it at the front, your seven can actually try and pass that ball to a nine or to a 10 into that transition zone. You can actually hold the back of the tail if it's done right. So, um, yeah, and I think moving forward when we do play against, you know, it's probably going to be an island or South Africa, you know, They'll know that we'll want to attack from from the middle back, which Strips alluded to. It's really it's a lot easier for us to attack. But you know, if you've got the ability to still get that ball and you can still be efficient in your attack off the, winning the line out front ball, which we saw against the Namibia, um, it sets us up well to be able to try and attack against you know the Irish or the South Africans in a, in a quarter final stage. And you want it to be tempo ball. You want it to be relatively quick. The faster you can yeah. get in and out is the less time they've got to set. Yeah. So you just don't. There's that hesitancy again, or you're just not. Uh, connected with the inside and outside, and that's where you can penetrate. Brent, was there anything else in that Namibia performance? Again, saying, you know, this is only against Namibia, but was there anything else in that performance that you saw could offer some options to the All Blacks, either against Italy to give it another crack, 
and to maybe say, okay, well, this could be an option for us come the quarters, or, or do you think that most of that will just be put to the side? I thought, you know, our click attack and our turnover attack, I um, mean, yeah, there are a couple of instances where we, you know, we're up in the five meter line and we're able to still get the ball to the edge and end up, you know, going 90, 95 meters to be able to try and um, build pressure that way. And then I think our, our, our scrum as well was a lot more dominant. If there was a, uh, and I know it's against Namibia, but it's it's one kind of cog that we're going to need against the, the, uh, the Irish or the South Africans to be able to go well. And I'm not too sure how Ethan de Groot's going to go. Um, hopefully he doesn't um, get any more time. And we're not too sure how... Tyra Lomax, how far Tyra Lomax is as well. But um, no, I was pretty, considering what we had in front of us, I think we got what we needed out of it. You know, Cam Roygaard, I think, has submitted himself as the second best halfback. You know, two tries, two try assists, something that you might want to bring on with 20 minutes to go in a big test match. And it's great that he's been able to have that kind of confidence in knowing that he belongs at that level. Um, and then also as well, I thought um, Damien McKenzie, um, he played very, very well with the opportunities that he had. And not too sure who they're going to go in the back three. I know Mark Tillier's played really well, but thought Lester Fyinganuku and even Caleb Clark as well had some really good moments in and around um, that back three. So be very interesting, I think, selection-wise, who they go against. Um, it's a league with that back three option, especially on the left-hand side, left, left, left wing, sorry. Lester almost has to be there. Mm. Like, he's a point of difference. 16 carries, top carry count. The way he looked for work, um, it was the form we saw against the Crusaders. Um, I don't think Mark Talia can't be there, you know, so does Will Jordan go to 15? Yeah, like that's the only adjustment. Otherwise, Leicester stays on the bench. Like, because I just don't think you can not have Will Jordan and, and Mark at the moment. But I also understand the role Bodie plays. And if you look at the one example of Will at fullback against the Wallabies, and there was a lot of changes, you know, like it is a different game plan that they'll have to get to. Is, it, is now the time to try that? I, I don't think so. Well, is the Italy game a good time to try that? I suppose that's what my point is. It feels like there's a game there which is will have some challenges, but also is in a position where you know you're more likely going to win it, no matter which one of the two you pick. So it, it allows you to test that combination in a relatively strong encounter. Yeah, I just don't want to go against what I've said pre-tournament. And yeah. like I can't stand people that do that. <laughs> like, you know, they say all these things pre-tournament. You're allowed, just, to, change, you're allowed just, to change your mind. Yeah, but I just, think, I just think that giving the keys to your game drivers is critical. Yeah. And I stress that I think they should have kept them there. I think Richie should have. And I thought Damien did a great job. But I just, I look at the way Ireland are doing it and it's, it's just the same combinations and it's been ruthless and yes their structure of their pool's different I get it and their combinations are working yeah and I I just think that um, you've made the decision you, I just think you maybe it's just the stubborn nature of myself like you just gotta you've gotta go with it the, 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 there's a couple other points I had out of that game um, defensively no try mm. and they were on defence in their 22 a lot one clean break allowed five of those so the at the 60-minute mark, they only had seven penalties. Mm. And then five come in that last 20. So that's probably the only thing to work on because the majority of their penalties are coming from defence. Um, I think eight from defence, four from attack. Um, and then I liked, and I'll credit me old mate, it was very Crusader-like, 12 entries, 11 tries. Yeah. Ruthless. Because yeah. you've got to, like, that's what it's going to come down to. You're only going to get a few opportunities and they were ruthless in, in making sure they got points when they went into that 22. I think we've got to start our, our, our best 23 for the next two games, building into some momentum going into that quarterfinal stage. And I know 
it might be a cricket school. To, you know, you'd like to think that's where it's going to be for us in that last game if we select our top 23. But I just think it's crucial now that we have our 23 going in for the next two games and giving them some form of confidence, cohesion, going to that quarterfinal stage. Whether that's, you know, um, not too sure that back three, which talk about whether they might change that. But I think they've been pretty, they'll be pretty stubborn in and around what the 10, 15, what Bodie's role is in and around um, that group. And I think they'll keep him, they'll keep him there. And then you've got to decide, you know, is it Will Jordan, Mark Talia, or Lester Fyamanuku, one of them's going to have to miss out or one of them's going to go on the bench. The only thing that probably plays against Leicester is the fact he can cover 13. Mm. So starting a game and moving to 13 may not quite work in terms of the balance of the 23. So starting Mark, and that's the only thing I can think that plays against him. But I think the way he played, whew, yeah. it's hard to not pick him. Like, yeah. He was, he was, man, he was good. I think what I like about him, and we talked about this last week, is it's he's predictable in that you know where he's going to run, but he's so good at it that everyone around him understands where they need to be and it makes it quite effective down that left edge. But it's also the little effort areas, like the pick through the middle of the ruck. Like, he doesn't just go to a breakdown to clean a body. Like, he, he assesses things, and he that's a that's a game-changing moment, that pick through the ruck, and they score from that. And, man, in the big moment, a guy of his size against these bigger teams that are physical, you know, yeah. it's, it's pretty irresistible. It's so hard because they're, they're, they're probably the two players that are just constantly on. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. like they are just on 24-7. Like, they're always, they never go somewhere without the intent of doing, I know this sounds stupid because every player obviously goes somewhere with the intent to do something, but they're just searching for it and they've probably got a licensed position, I get it, but I just can't see a back three without Will Jordan and I just yeah. think it's too late to have a change of Bodie, so it's just going to be a hard call. If you have Richie Moonga at ten, you got Lester Fyangaanuku at eleven, and you got Will Jordan at fifteen. We're talking about three guys who play together regularly in the backfield for the Crusaders. Is it actually that big of a change, and it's actually going to create that much of a problem, considering they know each other so well, probably play more together than the other combos have? It definitely does help. I um, mean, look at well, you know, the Irish. A lot of those players have played a lot of rugby at, with each other at Leinster. You know, and so that comes back to the kind of confidence of being able to build um, that cohesion with players. So it definitely does help, but um, I don't think that'll go into the thinking around selection um, based around that. It has to fit your game plan, though. Like, Will's an all-out attacker. Mm. He doesn't kick a hell of a lot for the Crusaders, like, if you think of it. And I know, you know, everyone thinks we kick too much against France, and that's not all on Bodie. It's just, you are going to have to play territory to win this, mm. this World Cup. Like, you just can't be all out attack from everywhere. So, um, not that Will can't kick, but one of Bodie's big strengths, and I think Brim will agree with this, is his tactical kicking. Yeah. Execution was off against France, but he's a very good kicker. Very good tactical kicker, very good at option take. But also, when he was at his prime, he was a risk taker. He didn't mind having a crack, and we don't see that much now, do we? Well, he might have been, he might be speaking into it. Mm. Yeah, the game's changed in that way. You know, the, the the defensive pressure that that teams are putting on, the way how people are slowing down the rucks now. You know, you look at back 2017, 2018, uh, when he was getting World Player of the Year, it's because the All Blacks were so good in and around that break-in area and we were able to play on top of teams and teams couldn't live with us. But now, 
it's a lot different with that space for a lot of All Blacks, including Bo, not just Bo, you look at Richie Moanga as well, his ability to be able to influence like he does at the Crusaders is a lot different and internationally because the defences are so much better. So it's hard to say that, you know, Bodie can't do that. It's just that I think the way that rugby's gone and the defensive pressure teams are putting on the All Blacks now, it's a lot harder to attack. We all know what the positives are for Camry Gunn. Bryn, what is the argument for putting Finlay Christian ahead of him? If you're not going to select them, what would, if the All Blacks were going to do it again, what will their argument be? Well, I think the the strength of what Finlay does really well is that um, he's great defensively and around his, his, his decision making around the, the breakdown and being able to, I guess, communicate to his forwards with what he's seen in front of him, which is really, really important when it comes to a halfback and being vocal in and around that. So that's a strength that he does have. And what he has done, he's a winner. You know, he's won at Tasman. Um, he's got a really good understanding with what um, is required situationally. I think he's very smart in around what's required of a halfback when it comes to game manager, which is going to be really important against, I um, mean, an Irish or a South Africa and experiencing that at Bunnings NPC level. And then he's experienced it um, at the Blues, being able to be a focal point within in that group. So situationally, he's very, very good. And that's not to say that Cam Roygaard can't do that, but that's a strength that Finlay's able to do that and he gets the ball out fast like he does with Aaron Smith so that's the strength that I'd say Finley has but I think with what Cam Roygaard's done your currency is with how well you're playing and what he's done he scored two tries early early on in the game and then he's been able to have two try assists with one with uh, Damian McKenzie that he does off the scrum and it's what you want with Aaron Smith if he's going off you know you'd have to think that Aaron's going to play the majority of these big matches 60-65 minutes and what Cam Roygaard's done starting and coming off the bench you look at the South African game for example um, he's perfect for us and being able to have that 20 minutes and being able to inject himself and try to win a test match, which he has, the, he has the capability to be able to do. Very like for like Aaron and Finlay. And so the decision is, is do we want to stick with that game plan for the 80 minutes? Mm. Then you probably go for that. But do we want a guy that can challenge around the ruck, probably looks to run first more often than pass and make defenders think, potentially tighten that defensive ruck area? and then there's space on the outside. And then it's up to him, as he's, young, he's early in his test career, to make the right decisions, when to give it and when to go. Yeah. That will be the, that'll be the key, is not overplaying his hand. So what if you just play Aaron Smith for 80 minutes if he's the better of the guys? If, that's the, if you want to stick to no the same, like, yeah, you know? I've got no problem with that. Um, Aaron's fit enough, he's, he's good enough to do so. Um, but you can't underestimate the ground Finlay covers defensively. Mm. And I think especially in that kick protection area and also getting to that edge and putting that rush sort of defence off um, and fresh legs and, and that speed of pass is, is, is critical. The one good thing about um, Cam is the ability, because he's um, such a threat in and around the ruck, sometimes a halfback like that doesn't actually need things to go his way in and around the breakdown sometimes. He's able to, um, you know, whether it be, you know, you might have a bit of a tack. He's so strong in, in that breakdown area, he can actually bump people off or they can just slip off him and he can make something out of out of nothing. And that's what he does bring. But to come back to Jip's point, it's just going to be how do you want to, how do they want to play the game? What do they want to play? Do they want to play a fast tempo game when Aaron goes off? They want the exact same guy. And But then the, the positive things that I think Finlay does really well, um, do, is that what they want for a skill set of the nine coming on to finish a game? Or do they want a Cam Roygaard who can really um, bring something completely different and is actually probably worth, you know, a try or setting up a try with his ability to be able to play. So it'll be interesting to see which way they do go. He might have put the 
the the doubt is wrong in terms of his speed of play though do you reckon Bryn like I think he just was very well measured in his decision making of when to have a crack and when to give that pass um, yep. it was a complete performance it was like his his speed of um, speed of ball to try and get to the breakdown he was there very very fast and been able to get the ball out um, his efficiency of his pass was fast it was especially there there's a bit of rain in and around that you know in the first yep. half there's a rain coming down and a skill set around his pass like he probably would want a few that were they were a little bit low but you know we're just nitpicking really as a halfback here we're probably looking at his review saying he could get it up a little bit more but man considering that it's his first test match starting um his delivery was very good his attacking ability that we've that we've seen at the hurricanes and counties monaco um it was an all-out performance and so uh, pretty hard to not have him on the bench Joe, with his I, performances uh, sketches. i actually like your point around what if we don't get that breakdown ball we want? Yeah, yeah that, that's a fair point. I hadn't thought of that. Like, he is good off the back of, you know, not front football. So I didn't consider that. Like, that's quite a big tick in the right, because you're not going to win every breakdown. Yeah. You got me thinking, Bryn. Oh, yeah. Nice, mate. <laughs> I should know as a halfback, shouldn't I? <laughs> that's true. That's uh, true. Okay, so I've got another question. Let's go further down this rabbit hole. Yeah. My other question is, we're talking about playing two separate game plans. How often do teams actually say, okay, in the last 20 minutes, we're going to play differently to how we played in the first 60 minutes? It's not really like game plans, but like defense is fractured. Um, there's there's fresh legs both sides for a certain amount of positions. Um, and then there's tiring legs elsewhere. Mm. So it's more, when I when we say game plans, it's probably like the last 20, you're more instinctive, uh, instinctive rather than... Um, being so prescriptive is that would you agree with that Bryn? it's awareness and being able to understand what the situation is you know like for 60 minutes the game could be you know and this is why i think south africa are so are going to be so dangerous because now that they have this attacking ability let's say they get out to a two score lead right and you know there might be a bit of rain a bit of drizzle or they might want to change up to a, a suffocation game kicking it long or going to a contestable games that's all the south africans do very very well so I think for the All Blacks, you know, we want to play a high tempo game and that's what, you know, when we play very, very good, that's what we do. Um, but, you know, I think, you know, the likes of a South Africa, I think their game of how they can, they can change Ross. I think they're probably the best team that can switch the flip, uh, they can switch it um, pretty easily around attacking and then going back into their suffocation, high defensive and kicking game. And they're just so set in their combinations. Mm. Like they're very clear and who's going to start and who's coming off the bench. We've got some good games coming up this weekend, as we've been talking about. Uh, plenty to talk about. Uh, so let's have a quick run through them. Uh, let's start off, firstly, I think the first couple are fairly obvious. Uh, Italy, Uruguay. Italy. Italy, but Uruguay, man, they're not an easy beat. So it could actually be a bit closer than I think, than people think, but I'll go Italy. Mm, mm. France, Namibia. France. France. France, absolutely. Okay, this one is the tougher one. Let's start with you, Bryn. Argentina, Samoa. Um, oh, man, I'd love to say Samoa. No, no, I, I am going to say Samoa. I think Argentina, they're going to have discipline issues, which they've had for a long time. So I'm going to pick Samoa based on that. As I say, I'll stick with my original plan and Samoa will win that game. Yes, yes, that's going to make that pool super interesting. Yep. 
Here we go. Uh, well, it doesn't mean we're right. No, 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 no. Well, this is true. <laughs> game's still going to be played out, yeah. but, you know, you got it right this week. Thanks for having my back. You know, I've just got confidence. You're like Sia He's our scum. Yeah. Scum my back. Right, yeah. Georgia versus Portugal, Bryn? Uh, I'll go Georgia. Yep, Georgia. 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 Um, England, Chile, I think that's a fairly straightforward one. Um, okay, so we already, we know. You're thinking Ireland? Yes. I'm going to go South Africa. Yes, I like it. I'm Ireland on the fact that I don't know where Poland's at. Right. I reserve the right to adjust my to, thoughts yeah. when the teams come out. So on Thursday, yeah. if LeBoc is named, text me. If LeBoc's named, I, I, Ireland. Ireland. That's nothing on him as an individual. Yeah, yeah. I just think if they're keeping with that yeah. current group and the form, Ireland would. But if Pollard's named, do you think South Africa? No, I just need I need some time. <laughs> need some time. I just need to assess the team list. I need to see where the props are at for Ireland. So there's a bit going on. Right. So as it as it stands, there's a fence. I'll go Ireland. Okay, Ireland. I'll go Ireland. Ireland but I'm just way. saying, I like to I like to assess the the score. No, I'm going to stick at it, Ross. Yes. Whether Pollard plays or I'm going South Africa. You're going yeah, South Africa, oh, mate. It's only because your flatmate Squagger Smith, like. <laughs> well, no, the reason why. Because my flatmate the too. They all South Africa. The reason, the reason why I picked them is I think when I when they, I know it was, it was a while ago, but with their mindset in and around how they think they can beat Ireland, just for talking to choir, just, you know, just quite relaxed, I think they have the mindset and the game plan to be able to try and do that. So whether it, it works or not, um, I'm not too sure, but I will back South Africa based on that physicality and actually putting Ireland under pressure. I'm going chips all in, Ireland. I don't need to see the team. I just want to have a battle with you. I'm going chips all in. I'm going all in. Okay, well, well, the stats back you. Uh, I think four out of the last six have been won by Ireland, and South Africa has only beaten Ireland in those six at home. So away from home... It's South Africa love a big tournament. Though. They love a so. big tournament. So, oh, that's going to be an absolute doozy. One of the great games. Please leave me alone in the chat, uh, in the YouTube comments. <laughs> just just give the old dad a break. And just to wrap it home, I mean, we're talking about two of the greatest teams to ever play the game. Yeah. You know, we're talking about this Irish team that has, like, revolutionised the way we play rugby, and we're talking about a South African team that's defending world champions, does all sorts of crazy stuff. Yep. And, and is... Made some really interesting revolutionary parts of rugby too. This is going to be a cracking game. Oh, I can't wait. Cracking game. Okay. Scotland versus Tonga, Bryn. I'll go Scotland. I just think that, um, you know, Tonga have got some great guys that have been able to come back for um, for Tonga, but I just think the ability of their, their cohesion and not being that long together, um, you know, they've got a lot of individuals, but I just don't think they've spent a lot of time together. And I think the Scottish team have, in that sense, have played a lot of rugby. So, and they'll be disappointed with their first loss um so you know they'll want to bounce back you know probably get the result and whether it's a bonus point or not they probably need a bonus point i, I believe so they'll be looking to try and score um you know a lot of points on tonga willie havili pitaki top two tackle count for tonga mm. if scotland wins win they have to go direct and follow ireland's route and score points probably at the back end of the game but they have to go through tonga first if they try to go wide early I think they'll be called out. I'll pick Scotland, but they need to be really, really assured of what their their strategy is in that first forty. Okay, and this last one, I think we know. You're Australia versus Wales. Sorry, Warren. I love you, mate. But <laughs> I'm going. I'm going the wall of it. <laughs> right, Bryn. 
I'd love to pick Australia, but no, I'm going to go. I'm going to go Wales. I'm going to go Wales, and it's going to end Australia, and uh, Fiji will end up making the quarterfinal. This is going to be great next week. I'm looking forward to how this plays out. Well, I'll just bask in today's glory of Fiji beating Aussie, yeah. and I'll probably look a fool next <laughs> That's how it rolls. <laughs> yeah. That's how it rolls, right? Life was easy. You'd just punt for a living. Yeah, yeah, well, that's it. That's it, you know. But, you know, I'm sure there's been some money made in this tournament so far. So, great. Okay, thanks, guys. Good chat. Jipper, thank thanks, you, Zeva, Bryn. Catch you again next week. And thank you to all of you for tuning in to the Aotearoa Rugby Pod once again. Please send us some emails, give us your input. We'll try best to answer your questions where we can get into the comments section. I love trawling through the comments section. <laughs> I do. I don't. I do. <laughs> <laughs> I, I do. I actually do it every week. It's good fun. Um, so, yes, you have to get hard, though. You got. Oh, don't worry. Oof, that one was rough. Um, 15 years with the blues, I've got thick skin. <laughs> and harbour. <laughs> That's right. So thanks very much for joining us. Once again, we look forward to talking again next week. Enjoy your rugby this weekend. Thank you very much. Matewa.